Hello, <clears throat> you're listening to the OK Cool podcast with me, Ronnie Chang. This is the episode for 7th February 2016. You're listening to the OK Cool podcast, the podcast that nobody is listening to. So why are you? Thank you for listening. Happy Chinese New Year. Uh, actually, well, Chinese New Year is tomorrow, technically. So, but still, uh, I, I won't be speaking to you tomorrow. I won't be doing a podcast tomorrow. So I'll just wish you guys right now. Um, that means Happy Chinese New Year. Um, may all your hopes be fulfilled. And I wish you good health. <clears throat> you ignorant single language speaking. No, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, it's been um, uh, Chinese New Year is a weird one. It's like a big. Uh, it's a big holiday uh, for Chinese Chinese people. Um, it's technically the Lunar New Year, so all Asian cultures that follow the lunar calendar celebrate it. So I know Koreans celebrate follow lunar calendars. Like cult- culturally, not in practice, everyone uses the Gregorian calendar. But um, I think I, Vietnamese people definitely celebrate Chinese New Year. People in China, obviously, and the Chinese diaspora in Malaysia and Singapore, which is where I'm from. Um, and Chinese New Year is cool. It's uh, what happens is you're supposed to go home on the first day of Chinese New Year. And have dinner with your family, uh, especially your parents. So, I'm not. It's, I guess it's kind of like Thanksgiving. So travels hectic during Chinese New Year. Also, it's actually a public holiday in Asian countries. So we actually get a day off. Whereas in Western countries, nobody cares about it. So we have to kind of. <laughs> Work our holiday in between the gaps, if you know what I mean. So people either take leave. I'm sorry, there's a, there's a fire engine. Oh, yeah, fire engine, running past. Uh, I'm in New York City right now, by the way. So that sirens are just not gonna stop. <laughs> so I would stop the podcast, but there's no point because if I was gonna stop the podcast every time there was a siren rushing past, we would just not do the podcast. Um, yeah, so. Chinese New Year. What was I talking about? Chinese New Year. Um, yeah, it, we we fit it into the gaps when when Western countries that don't have it as an official bank holiday, meaning we like celebrate it on the weekend or we celebrate it after work or we take leave. Um, I say we. It's really just me here in New York. Uh, I got some friends from law school who kindly in for, law school in Australia who moved to New York, so they're here now. They invited me to spend Chinese New Year lunch with them, which was awesome of them to do that. But unfortunately, I can't attend because I have to go work. Um, the Daily Show is sending me out to out of town. I don't reveal where, but it is not a coastal city. <laughs> I'm going to Middle America for Chinese New Year, which will be fine. I'm not hating. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to give you the facts here. So you. Go for family reunion dinner, and then people give you red packets with money, which is, in my opinion, well, okay, if you're married, you give unmarried people who are younger than you red packets with money in it, and it is the best gift of all. Cash money is the best gift. Honestly, 
think about it. You never receive a gift that you want to exchange for something else. Um, you never get something that doesn't fit you. You never get a toy that you didn't want. You never get anything you didn't want. Cash money, you can go get exactly what you want. Also, it's lightweight. It's portable. You can transport it. You're not carrying a bunch of stuff home. If you're traveling from overseas, you don't have to like overstuff a suitcase, carry money back with you. Uh, environmentally friendly. There's no packaging. There's no waste. Cash money, the best gift of all. Seriously, I just give cash money anytime I need to give a gift to like a, a sound tech after uh, uh, I do a run of shows in a venue, like when I do live comedy shows in a venue and you're supposed to like buy a gift for the tech. Cash money, the best gift. Rather than trying to find some stupid novelty gift, which they don't really want. You wasted time to go look for it. Uh, you spent money and it, it, it's, a, it, it's just another piece of crap that's going to end up in the landfill or worse, in the ocean or something. Not to mention the packaging involved with it. And then they didn't really want it. They have to go spend energy to return it. It's dumb. Okay? Just give people cash money. Cash money. Birthdays, cash money. Christmas, cash money. It's the best gift of all. Really, I think I'm onto something with this. Cash money is the best gift. Um... Yeah, so uh, be Chinese New Year by myself. <laughs> I think I'm going to be traveling during the Super Bowl as well. So Super Bowl and Chinese New Year might be missing both. Yeah, when when I was a kid, we would get the cat money in red packets, and my mom would take all of it, um, which I didn't really mind because that's how she raised us. To not be like selfish with that stuff. So we gave it to my mom so she could, you know, spend it on um, stuff we needed as opposed to giving it to us for us to just waste it on toys and stuff. So usually our red packet money just went straight to my mom. Uh, what else did we do? I'm trying to give you some Chinese New Year memories here. Like people don't realize I only went back to Asia when I was seven when i was seven yeah when i was seven so i guess that's young enough to form some memories um oh yeah for some reason we we gamble during chinese new year yeah i don't know why that's the thing i'm sure it's just some guy who liked to gamble and then he everyone probably stopped him from gambling because he was gambling too much and then chinese new year came around and he was like hey it's a holiday. Give me a break. And everyone was like, all right, it's a special day. Just let him do it this one day. And people just gamble all night, like mahjong or cards or whatever it is. Um, I never really gambled. My mom kind of frowned on that. No exceptions. Uh, I can play mahjong, but I don't know how to, like, maximize my score. I know how to, like, win. Like, I know how to game. But I don't know how to maximize my score, which is apparently a huge part of the game. So I'll like win, but I won't win a lot of money. I'll just win like a little bit. Um, let me see. What else do we do during, during Chinese New Year? Visit people's houses. Are you supposed to clean your house as well? Um, yeah. You're supposed to clean up your house nice and clean, set it up for the New Year. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you're not supposed to sweep your house 
during New Year. That's why you clean it before because during Chinese New Year, like if you sweep the floor, you're like sweeping away the good luck or something. Look, I don't know. All this stuff, I don't know who came up with this stuff, okay? Um, someone went with it and then everyone got too scared because they didn't want to risk it being true, right? Someone said, hey, don't sweep your house. You're going to sweep away the good luck. And one person must have been like, that sounds like BS, but why risk it? Why risk it? Why risk fate? So everyone went along with it. And so now we got these these traditions related to um, luck and superstition. And and even me being a pretty, I'm a pretty modern secular dude and I'm this stuff, superstitious stuff, which I won't do just because uh, why risk it? <laughs> guess i'm a what do you call that like a chinese cultural agnostic i don't know what's gonna talk about Ooh, so i'll be traveling tomorrow to film this piece um i just got back from new hampshire do i want to talk about that Hang on, let me check, let me check my notes um oh yeah okay so i want to talk about this first i switched my hair parting back so i went to cut my hair and uh, the hairstylist who I have no doubt knows what she's doing. It was like this really cool place with leather chairs. Like you cut, you sit in a leather chair, someone cuts your hair. It's straight out of Esquire, straight out of GQ. You can like sip on whiskey when they cut, as they cut your hair. It's like a totally a man's like haircutting place. So it was a good place. And she, caught, she was cutting my hair and she said that, I was parting my hair on the wrong wrong side. Like my hair naturally flows in a certain way, and I was parting it the opposite way. Uh, in case you don't know what I look like, I have a side parting. I've had a side parting for the past maybe three years, three or four years. So she said, do you want to switch to the other side? I said, okay, that sounds cool. Let's do it. So I switched for two weeks, and man, I just couldn't get my hair right. Just couldn't get it right. There's always stray hairs popping up everywhere, and I just couldn't find the line for the part, and I just I felt off my game, you know. So I went to cut my hair again last week, and I just said, "Hey, let's just go back to the other way, the wrong way, so to speak," um, because I think even though it's not my natural part, the fact that I've been doing it for four years kind of trained my head, right? So even though it wasn't my natural parting side, it became the it became the natural parting side. Who knew you had to have a direction with your part? I thought you just pick a side. So if anyone here is switching to a side parting, um, sorry, that's my computer. Don't check your phone. That 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 was an alert from my computer. Um, yeah, figure out which way is your natural direction of your hair and then part it that way if you're switching to a side parting for the first time or don't I guess what I proved it doesn't really matter if you keep combing in a certain direction it kind of becomes the natural way you train your hair to go in a certain way see what else I saw uh, the Golden State Warriors play at Madison Square Garden against the New York Knicks uh, it was a great game. Always, I'm always happy to see live basketball, especially live NBA basketball. I've only seen three games in my life. This is the third one. Live, I mean. So it was cool. Uh, I was going to go with a director friend from Australia. He bought tickets for me and him. 
and he ended up having to cancel on me. So I sold the tickets on StubHub for like double the price. And then I, I bought new ones from a friend. Um, so I found another friend to go with. He already got tickets. So I sold my old tickets um, for a profit. So essentially, I went to this game for free. So there you go. You, um, I don't know, you can speculate on the NBA ticketing market, I guess. I guess that makes me a, a fucking scalper, right? Yeah, that's, that's not good. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't jack it up like all the way. I just jacked it up, uh, just doubled it. So, I, well, I, I resold it for below the average of what it was being resold for. So I don't know, maybe speculate in games, like start buying tickets now for games next year if you know the team's going to be good. Like Golden State Warriors is just one of those teams you just got to see live, right? Because this is like one of the greatest teams of all time and the play style is extremely entertaining. So I guess you kind of get your money's worth, even if every game you go to is almost a blowout, which it was in this case because the Knicks aren't that great. Um, I think it was like a 20, it was over in the third quarter basically. But still worth it. Let's see. The Knicks had no injuries. Uh, Anthony was playing. Pozingas was playing. Lopez was playing. The Knicks crowd turned really quick. Super supportive at the start and then towards the end just ragging on their team. But at this point, there's no shame to losing to to the Golden State Warriors, right? Like, you try your best, and if you lose to them, everyone just kind of goes like, oh, oh, well. This is the Golden State Warriors. Like, you, it was odds were against you anyway. Like, losing to the Golden State seems to be, like, an accepted defeat. Like, every fan would accept that. Isn't that weird that that's how strong they are? Like, I can't imagine a team that you would say is guaranteed to beat them or a team where... Basically, I can't think of a team in the NBA right now that would say that losing to the Warriors was unthinkable. Right? It's, your team is probably going to lose to the Warriors. So a loss to the Warriors, everyone can kind of move on from that because they're like the best team. They're playing great basketball. I guess Cleveland... Cleveland lost to the Warriors and freaked out and fired their coach. I talked about this last week already. Mm. San Antonio, you would think, would be the one to really challenge them, right? Because they got defensive stopper Kawhi Leonard. Um, They've got a great coach, Popovich, and they got a whole team that's bought into the system. I'm trying to think of another team that you would be able to challenge... Gonna say, not even LeBron. I mean, Cleveland's not dominating everyone. They they definitely have a chance to win against anyone any given night. They got the talent. Um, yeah, yeah. I saw this game. It wasn't against the Knicks. It was the next. It was the next game. I can't remember against who, but Steph Curry was out of control. He's got these step back threes that he his release is so quick. And he's got such good handles on his dribble that he can get his shot off. And his range is like, he's shooting it from like, I don't know, five feet beyond 
the three-point line, he's a game-breaker. Because he, he takes shots that, as a coach, you would give up. Like, if you, were, if you were defending him, you would say, okay, I'll give you that shot. But he can make those long-range bombs so consistently that you have to take that away. And he's a game-breaker. I mean, the whole team's playing on firing on all cylinders. Very unselfish, and they're having a lot of fun. Um, I think that... I think Draymond Green should have definitely definitely started in the All-Star game. I, I, in fact, I don't think Harden should have gotten in. I think James Harden should not have been in an All-Star team. Or Aldridge, for that matter. The stats don't back it up. They're both very talented players, but I think Lillard... I would love to have seen... Damian Lillard from uh, Portland get in. I like how he plays. Um, I actually think James Harden has no leadership ability. I think he had flashes last season. I think this season, I don't think he's a leadership kind of guy. I think he kind of just does his thing. I don't know if he really knows how to inspire and motivate and set a good example to his teammates. Um, his defense picked up last season after like the joke that it was two seasons ago. And then this year, it's back down again. So I don't know what's going on. I think he's in his own head. Maybe he's kind of kind of thrown the towel in a little bit for this season. It's a little, the team's a little bit dysfunctional. There's no, um, no leaders with integrity on that team almost. who can, like, kind of command respect from their actions on and off the court. I think you need one of those strong personalities in the locker room. Dwight Howard is, uh, I don't know, I don't think he's that guy. I think he, I think he puts himself over the team a lot in that he likes to play offense. Like, the whole reason he, he's un, he was unhappy was because he felt he wasn't getting the ball enough on offense. Like he wanted to be like an of one of the options, scoring options, but he's not a scoring option. He's like a, he's basically an undersized power forward who's great at defense. And the year that he went to the finals with Orlando was the year when Stan Van Gundy built a team and played a system that was essentially shooting threes and then having Dwight Howard rebound and defend the middle. And that was all they're doing. And they played that, they played to their strengths beautifully and got to the NBA Finals with Dwight Howard. And then he, for some reason, he just didn't want to accept that role. Like DeAndre Jordan, he's accepted that role of being like the rebound blocker defender guy. And he'll score on offense when, when he needs to, but he'll take his shot, which is basically the dunk. He'll take a dunk. Um, he won't try to, you know, do like, he's not, basically, Dwight Howard isn't Hakeem Olajuwon. He's not going to dream shake opposing big men. He's not going to be taking like, he's not going to be Kevin McHaling it down in the low post. Okay, he's going to put back, re, put back dunks or like um, get hand, hand off, handoffs after like penetration from a point guard. So I don't know. That whole team, I can't see a strong figure. Maybe a... a um, what's his name? A, a, Azaria? I like Azaria. He's got a good head on his shoulders, but... Yeah, you look to your two 
well-paid players to kind of lead. And I don't know, Harden and Dwight Howard not really doing it. Uh, okay, well, that's the boring NBA part for people who don't care about NBA stuff. Um, moving on here. Oh, yeah, I just came back from uh, New Hampshire. So uh, we did a live daily show uh, comedy debate in New Hampshire. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we took a bus up. Um, I was embarrassingly late for the bus and made everyone wait. I had to apologize profusely and um, apologize here again. I'm sorry, everybody, for making you guys wait for me on the bus. It was my bad. No excuses. Uh, it won't happen again. Uh, got on the bus and then um, went down. And oh, by the way, everyone was really cool with it. So that's a relief. Like no one was pissed off and I, I felt really bad. But everyone was really forgiving, so I appreciated it. Um, anyway, we, we got on the bus and we, we got there. There was like weather delays because we, we left right when it started snowing like a, a blizzard. Not a huge blizzard, but a little bit of a blizzard. So all the, all the highways got really icy. And so the bus had to take its time to go down. So a, a three and a half hour journey became like seven hours. It was kind of brutal. We got there in time. We, we rehearsed it. Um, our how the debate was going to go. Uh, I think it went really well. It was very funny, very entertaining. Uh, I got to meet Howard Dean, who's like, used to be a presidential candidate and head of the Democratic Party. I got to meet Michael Steele, used to be head of the RNC, Republicans. Um, and they were both really funny. It was a panel of like six people and they were both on it. Um, I had a small part to play in the panel. Um, I wasn't on it. I was just uh, one of the correspondence on the side uh we after that after the so it's kind of like a live it was a live show it, it reminded me a lot of the kind of live shows we do in melbourne um except the stakes were a lot higher just because there's a lot of press <laughs> but um it wasn't it wasn't filmed to be aired so you're not going to be able to watch it i think we might be putting up clips of it but the whole event it had that air of like a one of those live shows in Melbourne, like comedy festival live shows with like lots of comics and you never know what's going on. And it's, it's for this moment only. It's not meant for television, uh, which is cool because I come from live performing, I guess. So I like that vibe uh, of that like unstructured, anything could happen. We have some planned bits, but really everything's kind of up in the air and up for improv and... Um, it made a really dry topic really accessible, actually, I think. Because the topic was presidential debates and what, like, why we need them. I think the official topic was the debate about debates. So we were, we were debating about the necessity for debates. And it made a really dry topic. Framing it as a comedy device, like a comedy event, made, a really, made everyone relax, first of all. All the, all the participants came up, they were really loose, they were joking around, they still made good points, um, but they were a lot more informal, and the audience showed up because it wasn't like an ac academic talk, it was like a comedy talk, so it drew a crowd, um, pretty big crowd actually, and the audience were more relaxed, and I don't know, I think everyone walked away learning some stuff about the presidential debate system in America, and uh, I hope we do it again, because it made a really dry topic uh, really accessible and interesting. Um, so after that, we went candle pin bowling, which is apparently a New England thing. Um, I 
don't I should know because I used to live in New Hampshire when I was a kid. But I lived there when I was so young. I I never left the house. Like I was still in house mode. You know what I mean? So I never got to go out. So I never learned what candle pin bowling was. Oh, and also, so my house in America I used to live in from nine from eighty nine to ninety three in Manchester, New Hampshire. We were like two blocks away. The, the Daily Show event was two blocks away from my childhood home. And because of the weather delays and probably because, probably uh, yeah, also part of my, my own lateness, uh, we got there too late for me to go explore. Two blocks away. I've been trying to go back to my childhood home for like 22 years. I left in 93. Always wanted to go back. Fin- finally got a chance to go back. And uh, two blocks away, so close, and couldn't make it. It was by the time the event ended, it was too dark. So, but I'm doing a show at University of New Hampshire in Durham, so uh, I think I'll make a special trip just to go see it. You know, uh, that show is on the 20th of February, Saturday. So if you're a University of New Hampshire student, uh, come come watch. I'm I'm co-headlining with Nicole Breyer from MTV's Girl Code. Uh, it'll be my first college gig in America. So hopefully see you guys there. I'll be doing uh, 40 minutes. Um, yeah, we went candle pin bowling, which was cool. It was kind of like we were bo- bowling. I said the pins weren't shaped like typical bowling pins. They were shaped, they were, long, they were longer, they were narrower and more cylindrical. And uh, you get three balls, not two. And the balls themselves were like shot putts. They look and felt like shot putts. So you're throwing them on the on the floor on the in the alley. Uh, there were still gutters and all that, but other than that, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Everyone was there. We had we booked out the entire like the whole section of of lanes, and we were bowling and eating and drinking. Uh, there was about I would say what fifty of us. Um, all the Daily Show staff that came up, the producers, writers, and um, uh graphics and all the field team who which came up we all we had a really good time it was a lot of fun um uh, trevor was there of course um and then trevor took us took a correspondence back on a private plane he booked yeah he booked a private plane from new hampshire to new york and uh, we landed in New Jersey and then we took a helicopter across the river and landed in Manhattan like f- eight blocks sorry 15 blocks from the studio how crazy is that and I, I, I was thinking man this guy is super baller and he is don't get me wrong Trevor is super baller and he was very nice of him to invite us on this trip spared us the seven hours. I felt really bad for the staff, which had to take the bus back. Um, but there wasn't enough room on the private plane. And uh, yeah, it was cool though. But what Trevor told me was that apparently pl- flying a private plane isn't as as bawling or crazy as you would think. Like a private jet, if you own a jet, don't get me wrong, that's super baller because that's... To own your own jet is crazy expensive. The maintenance, the storage fees, all that stuff. But to fly a private plane is actually not that insane if you break it down. Like the, he broke it down like 
if you fly commercial in New Hampshire and New York, um, it'll be what, $400? Um, I'm not sure if that's business or economy, but let's say it's around $400, which isn't that unreasonable. Like if you get a private plane and you get one, two, three, four, five, six people in this private plane, it's like $500 each. You know what I mean? So you pay $100 more and you get your own private plane and your own private like runway. It, you, you save so much time. You don't have to like check in and wait and line up. Um, and also like I always consider private planes to be above first class. So it would be like economy, business, premium economy, business, first class, and then private plane. But that's not necessarily true. Like the private plane we took, it was nice. It was super comfortable and obviously it was really cool and baller. But business class is better than most of these private planes. Unless you're talking about a private jet, you know what I mean? Like a private plane, like we flew a propeller plane. Like it was comfortable and cool, but like business was, business class is better. Not to mention first class on Emirates, you know, so... Basically, there's a, Trevor was saying there's a smart way to spend your money that where taking private planes actually saves you time and money and health. Um, he was telling me all these like membership plans that you can take to have like private plane service from LA to New York, where it's like, I think it's like ten or $12,000 a year. And it's like you can fly as much as you want on Thursdays and Sundays. I don't even know what, what it is. But he, the way he broke it down made it sound a lot more affordable than you would think. Then we landed in New Jersey and we took a helicopter to Manhattan, right? Which also sounds super baller. And yes, it was super baller and cool. And it saved so much time. Um, but also not that inaccessible because there was five of us. Once again, five of us in the helicopter, five passengers and a pilot, so six people, but five passengers, right? And it essentially, I think it costs like 500 bucks to take a helicopter from New Jersey to Manhattan. So it's 100 bucks each, which if you take a car, if you take a taxi or Uber, it's like, what, 80, 70, including a tip. So you're paying $30 more to take a helicopter, Per person, you know, hundred bucks per person. We saved so much time. Like we got to Manhattan in like, it would have to have been like ten minutes or fifteen tops, as opposed to like an hour plus. Not to mention health issues and frustration and pos potential traffic that causes you to miss something. Man, honestly, there's like efficient balling where if you can figure it out, you can you can kind of game the system and spend your money efficiently. Because if you think about it, like if you miss a flight or if you get sick, how much money do you, do you lose then compared to spending it up front and, you know, having the comfort and saving time? Like it makes sense, honestly. I thought it would be crazy, but it's not that crazy to take a private plane and a helicopter, um, especially in America, I guess. All right, should I wrap this thing up? I think I should. I mean, I'm, I aim for like 30 minutes for these things. It goes to 40, I'm cool. But anything more than that, I feel like I feel like I'm uh, testing everyone's patience here. All right, so uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I, I, how about that? I managed to do two weeks in a row. Let's try to keep this going, yeah? 
Uh, yeah, well, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, see you guys next time. Uh, check out my website, ryanchang.com, for uh, updates on what I'm doing. And I'm trying to get started uh, stand-up in America. I've been, I've been jumping up at clubs around New York, and it's been going pretty well. So um, uh, I update my website with my shows. And uh, don't forget to watch The Daily Show on Comedy Central, 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central Time. Thanks for listening to this, guys. See you guys. Peace out.